And so as we sing this song, I want you to just sing that over yourself that the cross has the final word, whatever sort of struggle that you're going through, whether it's small, whether it's just enormous, that you feel that you can't overcome it, that the cross has the final word. Says the fine word. The cross has the fine word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the fine word. The cross has the fine word. As the fine word, evil may put up its strongest fight, but the cross has the fine word.
morning. We are journeying through Romans, looking at tensions, and if you look on the cover of your bulletin, there's always the speaker and then the title. It says, Peace in a World That's Going to Pieces, which we kind of feel like that, don't we? It's one thing to, to have the world around you uh, start to crumble, but when you feel like your world's crumbling, it's a whole other deal. And um, this week, life hit me like a freight train, and I was absolutely blindsided and breathless by it. I found out in first service that I'm not alone in that, that there's a lot of people, actually. I suspect here this morning there might be some people. But when life hits like that and you don't have answers, I just found myself sinking down on the floor trying to find my breath, trying to find a clear thought and, and just this overwhelming sense of, God, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Because something that has meant everything to me, I felt was like crumbling. And the thing about when it's crumbling and you're getting older, I'll be 60 in August, which I know some people say that's nothing, Mark, but I, I don't think I have another 60 years, right? So it's like, when something is crumbling, I, I can't do the little boy and the fingers in the holes of the dike. It, it just came crumbling. And I was very aware of that. I was very lost in that. I was very overwhelmed by that. And then a, a, a super unlikely verse cradled me. It happens to be the verse that we'll talk about in Romans, which is interesting because of all these tensions that you find yourself in. Who would think that this verse would be the verse that would carry you? You won't find it on posters. You won't find it on a coffee mug. You won't find it on a bumper sticker. But it was real. It is real. And it's still cradling me. The verse is in Romans 1, verse 7. It says, To all in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this one little verse that's obscure, I think a lot of people just skip right by it. It's just more intro, just more Paul's long intro. But everything in this little verse is everything that I needed. It was wrapped in a way that I, I, I could get it even though I was in this gap. I mean, I think we all know sometimes there's these places where we run into kind of the end of ourselves, but this was a chasm. It's a, it's a gap that I can't get past. It's this, this huge space. And this verse stepped into that space. So I want us to think about it. Because whether or not you're in a gap now, you'll you probably get one. It's kind of like what happens in life, isn't it? I mean, at some point in time, we run into this gap. And so in this passage, the things I need are to, are to know that God loves me and that I can become the person that he wants me to be. This idea of knowing God loves me, we hear it so much. The kids sing, Jesus loves me. People write it on their cards, God loves you. But in those gap spaces, does it hold you? Does it cradle you? And if we don't have this sense of God loves me, then we start racing. 
How can I earn it? How can I win it? What do I have to do to get it? What's wrong with me that I don't feel it? But Paul's saying, I want you to know that this unbelievable God loves you with an unending love, an unceasing love, an unchanging love. And I know I can't, I can't get that. I can't earn that. I can't win that. I can't con- convince you to love me, for example, and, and get real love. I can't buy you so that you'll love me and call that real love. Love is a gift. Well, Paul's saying it's what God wants to give you. Stay tuned. And in those gap places, isn't it, isn't it true that many of us, the, the first thing we feel is like, where are you, God? Why don't you love me? Why don't you care about me? But in this gap space, as I stood and I looked where I am and where I got to go, and that looks impossible, there was something deep inside of me via this verse that reminded me that God's love was holding me. But then in the gap, you start to realize your own gaps. And I I thought, well, I'm supposed to be the marriage and family guy. Pastors call me, and here I'm struggling with some things within my family. What am I I good at? What What am I? And in a world where, you know, everyone says you should discover yourself or find yourself. And I have to say... That's a lot of nonsense. You don't discover yourself. You're made. There's one who knows you. And he made you. And honestly, I I sat on the floor. I couldn't breathe. Betsy came in. She sat with me for a while. I appreciated it. She just held my hand. She prayed. And then, you know, she just, she knows I just need to be alone for a while. And then Brendan came in and he sat down on the floor with me and, I told him, I, I said, I, I don't know. if I, I think this might be it. I might be done. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, what can I say? What good am I? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Later that afternoon, I'm on a walk, and this God who's inside of you, that holds you in these gap spaces, he asked me, he said, did you call you? And I said, No. And he said that I guess you can't call you out. <laughs> I called you. I'll let you know when that changes. But you still have to reckon with, I don't feel, I don't feel, God, like I'm a holy person. I don't feel like I'm, I got it. And then you, you realize that I, I can't do that. I'm made by him. He's the one who knows me, and he's the one who's got to continue to build me, and teach me, and grow me. But all this left me in this place where I felt like there was a massive gap. I felt like that guy. How am I going to hop over that? I can't. I stared, I said, there's nothing. I got nothing. I got no answers. I got no ideas. I got nothing, God. And it's in those moments when you feel those big gaps and you're wondering, how am I going to get there? I mean, it's, it'd be easy to just pretend 
act like a good Christian and smile and act like it's really not happening. The reality is it is. It's a big gap. And as much as we believe in, in these moments that it's important to ask the two questions, what is God saying? How should you respond? Honestly, you guys, I couldn't ask him. I could not find the breath to ask him. And I think sometimes when we're in those really deep gap places, I want you to know that what we can't do for ourselves, God does for us. He knew the questions. He knows the questions. He knows the ache. He knows the longing. He sees it. He feels it. And he's working. But there's a gap. And Paul knows that. You better believe that Paul's encountered gaps in his life. And he turns our attention, and again, it's so easy to race by. But what he says is, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's those things that you desperately need. Yes, you want to be loved. Yes, you want to hope that you become the person God says I am. But all of that requires a deep connection with grace. The grace that does what I can't do but need to do. The grace that carries me in a way that I can't carry myself. How am I going to get across this gap? It's grace. It's more than just something that saved me. It's something that's saving me now. And I need it. And there's only one place it comes from. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. I can't conjure it up. I just receive it. And in the middle of it, while I wait in this space for the grace awakening, I need peace. Brennan's talked about this. I think he rightly defines peace as wholeness. It's shalom. It's when creator and created are where they should be, how they should be together. It's the world and the way God intends but the world that we live in is broken. And so Jesus says, you know what? The, in this world you'll have trouble. But I leave my peace with you. And it's a peace that passes understanding. It's not a peace that is based on me getting to the other side. It's a peace that holds me as I wait, as I watch. And it's not something that I can do for me it's something that God does in me. It's from him. Which is the key word. It's, it's, it's from. It's not something that's earned. It's not something that one. It's so easy in a gap place to think, I'll figure this out. I'll get there. But when it's so big and it's so far and it's so deep and it's so wide and it's so outside of what you can, you need something from someone. And the gap is telling you, you don't have it. God is saying, I do. And it's in these moments, in these spaces, where the reality of a living God who acts on our behalf becomes real. And it's why you can thank God for a gap, as hard as it is.
And so this God in the midst of this gap wants to give me this grace and this peace. And what Paul does is he, he, he wants to put a guarantee on it. Because we all wonder, is it trustworthy? Can I walk on that? Can I live on that? Can I hang on that? And so what he does is he cites just the Father and the Son in the verse. He says, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. What is he doing when he's citing that? He's saying, remember, Jesus, the Son of God, we just celebrated Easter. He comes to earth. He does good. He suffers Can you imagine as the creator of all things, knowing how the earth should look, walking on the earth and seeing what he saw, hearing what he heard, feeling what he felt. And as he goes through all this and he's trusting the Father, he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. There's this trust. As he stands in these gap places, he's trusting. Father, what do you want to do? And we want to know, is that trustworthy? And we talk about Easter. And in a moment in Easter where he thinks, oh, it's not trustworthy. Look at it. He's beaten. He's rejected. He's insulted. He's crucified. He's discarded. He's abandoned. He's betrayed. I don't know about that. What about the Father? What about Sunday? What about wait and see? Can the stone hold him? Can the grave hold him? Can the enemy hold him? Can death hold him? Can sin hold him? Nothing holds him. Why? Because this grace, it comes from, is sufficient to the task. And when I'm standing in my gap and I'm looking and I'm thinking, I don't, how, when, why, I don't know. But I know he's working. And I know it's trustworthy because of the example of Jesus, which is what Paul does. So in the midst of this, you know, Paul does what he does in a lot of letters where in his introduction, if you pay attention, you realize he's setting an outline. And he's going to walk through his outline in the following chapters and spiral through. And he's going to hit some of these same points. And in chapter 8, he drills down in what I'm talking about. He unpacks verse 7 in a way that's profound. And because we probably won't get to chapter 8 until five years, (laughs) I'm going to jump on that train and tell you now. Because in chapter 8, you read a verse that you do see on posters. You do see on t-shirts. You do read on mugs. We love the verse, and we should, and it means a lot. But it's the context, it's what it's wrapped in that helps us to understand this process about gaps. The verse is this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Oh, we love to hear that God is working good, even though it doesn't feel good even though it doesn't look good. We read the verse and we go, okay, we know that in all things. How do we know? That's what Paul wants us to know. That's what he wraps this verse in. How do we know? How when you stand on this edge of the gap, waiting to get on this edge of the gap, and it seems absolutely insurmountable, you can't get there, how do you know that that's true? 
That's what Paul wants you to know. So he says, as he's writing in Romans, he says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. No fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, the most endearing term. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And when you're in these gap places, it's so easy to go, God, where are you? To feel disconnected, to feel discarded. And so what Paul is saying God did to ensure the fact that you do not slide down that hill is he puts some of him in you and me. And inside of you is the very Spirit of God. That in those moments when you're feeling disconnected, discarded, lost, confused, am I God's, am I not God's, does he love me, does he not love me, does he care, what? The Spirit of God shouts within you, Abba, you're mine. Are you listening? Are you listening? He shouts. You can tune into other stuff if you want, but sliding down the wall and sitting on the floor, I need to, to listen again. That not because of anything I've done, but because of who he is, he loves me with an everlasting love that will not quit. Oh, in this world, people will quit on you. But this God will not. Paul says, if you're wondering about that, let the Spirit settle it. Be done with that. And he goes on to say, well, now, if you got the children part down, you ought to realize, too, that you're an heir. That it's in the will, that it's in the book, that it's set, that it's promised, that it's done. It's not something, if I write in my will a certain thing for my kids, it's my will. It's my testament. It's my decision. It's done. My kids can't change that. So what does it mean to be an heir? Well, it says, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider that the present sufferings, gaps, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's the same kind of glory and hope of glory. But can you imagine when the stone rolled and Jesus just carefully folded his grave clothes and walked out. Now the suffering that Paul talks about here isn't a suffering like we're going to have to go through the beating or the cross. It's not that kind of suffering. It's a suffering about gaps. This world we live in is full of gaps. It's not real, it's not true, it's not loving, it's not kind, it's hard, it's distant, it's disorganized, it's careening in all kinds of crazy directions. And so us, have you noticed, as Christians, we're not the most respected people on the planet. We're not the most sourced people. In fact, in many regards, we're despised. That's suffering. Not because of what Mark Spencer says, but because of who Mark Spencer's with. This guy, Jesus. The man of sorrows. And as I walk through and I see the suffering and I see the wrong things and the hardships, there's gaps. And I suffer with that. But I'm confident 
that there will be glory that will happen. It says so here. So if we know we're loved and we're children and that we're heirs and that we can be confident, we can also then move on where we see there's a hope to which we're called. But hope that is seen as no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? In other words, I'm here. I I think I should be there. I'm hoping. I'm waiting. But in what? Well, this God who saved me, who named me, who made me his, his child, his heir, this one who selected me and called me, and he promises to work all things together for good somehow, somehow. But I wait patiently. And I watch. And I trust. And this is the tension. The waiting. We live in a world where, as I study, you know, I'm not a real big fan of how we bucket generations and we give them tags, Generation X, Generation Y, you know, boomers, millennials. But I am studying the millennial mind. And the sense of millennials, God bless them, they grew up in an instant world. There's never been a world like it. Instant oatmeal, drive throughs text. You can order something online, get it the same day. You can Google and get a zillion answers. And all this popping. And so this idea of waiting patiently, of hoping and waiting, is a, is a foreign concept. But not just to the millennials, it's to the whole world that we live in. Because we live in the instant. And the things that matter, like family, it's not instant. And so we sit in attention, knowing that God has began a good work in you, will complete it. That faithful is he who calls you, and he'll also bring it to pass. And that God will work all things together for good. And why we wait, Paul says, that there's the spirit within us. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do, but the spirit inside groans. And when you read the Exodus story, there's several passages back in, in, in Exodus where God tells Moses, I heard the groans of the people. And it's a Hebrew word that literally means their souls were groaning. Sometimes when you're in a gap, all you can do is go, mm, ah, Do you not think that God hears that? I'm here to tell you he does. He knows that. It doesn't have to be an articulate King James prayer. In fact, I think some of the most instantly answered prayers are, oh. Because it's the spirit he put in us in a direct line to him. And this tension of this gap is not over for me. Sometimes from the pulpit, you just like to hear, like you watch these crazy TV shows where complex mysteries are solved in 30 minutes. It's like, what is that? Where does that happen? Real life is faith has to be exercised. 
trust has to be exercised. But it gets exercised not because Mark Spencer is uniquely strong, because he's not. It's because God's in me. And there's grace and peace from him. And I don't know where you are today. If you're standing like me on that edge of the gap. Or if you just came through one. God bless you. Or if one's coming. But I know this. That it's important as we talk about the tensions of Romans. To realize there are these places that are immensely tense. That are sometimes beyond words. That sometimes take us to places where we don't have answers. And in those moments we have to say. Is this book true? Is the God who said these things real? Will his grace be sufficient? And will his peace hold me together? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for... How you haven't just made us promises. You've put yourself right in the middle of our gaps. Right inside of us. I pray for all of us that are standing at a gap. Grace and peace from you. I pray that as we get ready to do this offering that we realize that the most important thing we can do is offer a sense of our need as we face gaps. Because your grace is sufficient and your peace passes all understanding. So I pray, Lord, that as we go back to worship, and especially as we leave this place and go back to life, wherever that is, that there would be that deep calls to deep sense of you, you are with us. And your grace and your peace are sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen.
your son spoke and the universe was formed, you can break the chains in my life and I lift my life to you, God.